I should pray first, probably. <laughs> I want to tack mine on to Brooks. Help, God. Help, help, help. I mean, the whole wor world needs it. And, like, you know, and since we're in this country, we help this country. And since we're in this state, help Alabama and help Etowah County and Gadsden and all the towns in our county. Um, down to our houses, down to the rooms we stay in, down to our minds and our hearts. We are your children, the sheep of your pasture. Speak to us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Epiphany is... One of the meanings is that it is a revelation of the manifestation of a divine being. I like that one. It's like, you know, of course, it's, we know who it is, but that makes it more, you know, the whole universe can go. It's a manifestation of someone divine, Jesus. It also means a sudden insight or an intuitive understanding. And that's what we need more of. That's like uh, my wife Patsy was saying that um, as y'all go through the Bible, you're on your second round of that, of the group, and that hearing other people from the group, their insights into a scripture has now opened her mind to a greater understanding of all of it and of those passages as you hear points of view from looking at it around. So, wow. That we, could, we should all do that, whether two or three are gathered in his name, he's in our midst. I'm going to do all the verses uh, a associated with this Sunday with um, so the first one is uh, Psalm 71 verses 1 through 6 I'm using the New American Standard I think from 1995 but it could be earlier this psalmist could have been Jeremiah we're not sure but um, whoever it is, they're very in touch with how King David saw things because it, it, you can hear an echo of that in the words in it. In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the grasp of the wrongdoer and the ruthless man, for you are my hope. O Lord God, you are my confidence from my youth. By you, I have been sustained from my birth. You are he 
who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Now, I don't know what they were going through at the time the psalmist wrote this. But this is something we could write in the world today with all of the ins and outs of uh, this COVID experience and all the different parts of things that have gone on. Yeah, there's all kinds of suffering um, continuing good stories, hard stories, stories of people, young people being severely depressed from not being free to grow in their life and, their fr- and, and socialize with their friends in the way that you do as you grow up. Um, Everyone needs a rock of habitation, a place to go in him. Down through Israel's history, they have needed a place to go for different reasons. Being God's children, the enemy warring against them. Help us, God. The next one is from Jeremiah 1, verses 9 through 10. So I start with, we need you. We need a rock of safety, a place to be out of the sun, a place to be out of the elements, a place to be safe from marauding people, people that uh, are up to no good, or people that are working from for some king who uh, is an evil king, uh, or people from other countries overrunning your place. So we come from that. Jeremiah 1 9 through 10. And then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. This is the calling of a prophet. Now, this is like capital P prophet, but you know, little p prophet, little, all of us, because we have the Holy Spirit, can prophesy at any time. Some do it more than they do other things, and so we might say they're a New Testament prophet because they kind of do more of that. But, but you do it all uh, because you're, you have the Holy Spirit with you. So he says, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. That is a heady thing to say to someone as God calls you. But at any moment, he may give you something to speak over a person in his name, 
you being a representative, are over parts of a country, a city, a nation. He does this stuff. And you say, ah, oh, never me. Well, don't be so sure. Um, you're his child. He's got stuff for you to do. Uh, I'm going to add a couple of verses here because this is interesting in calling him. Verse 11 says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. I see like a, a limb with almonds. Okay. Verse 12, And then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, the word almond is S-H-A-Q-E-D. And the word to watch over is S-H-O-Q-E-D. God's played on that. He shows him an almond, and he says, what do you see? I see an almond branch with almonds. And then God says, that's good. That's, that's just like me watching over my word to perform, playing on those words. He uses things to teach us by his spirit. He shows you things. Maybe a reoccurring number, maybe a reoccurring color, maybe uh, a reoccurring phrase. You hear something in scripture this morning or in a song, come let us return, and then later in the day, something about coming and returning. And maybe it happens once or twice more in the next day or two to the point as you go, he's speaking to me about this. He's talking about something. In this season in the world, there are Christians watching, listening. And some of the things that come to me from other friends, uh, I go, yeah, maybe. Uh, it could be right. Maybe I'm just not picking up on it. I'm not trying to put it down. Just some of them, some of them don't really do anything. But then others bring me something, say something. I had one text me the other day and said, I was thinking about you. And they said a paragraph, and it was everything in the paragraph was exactly what was going on in my life. And I had not talked to them in a month. So I went, okay. You wanted me to, I know that God knows, but isn't it something when he, he validates it and you go, I needed, I needed to know that you're on top of this, that you're with me, that you're doing something. It, it, uh, uh, you know, I prefer that one over the one where he brings you something three or four times and you have nothing about it, but it keeps coming up. And then you, you occurs to you that something's about to happen that I'm going to really need this validated because this is going to be hard. I like the other kind. I like, I like the, I like the after, you know, I like the after part version. That one's kind of nice. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 21. Now we have this, God is calling a, a top shelf prophet, one of the prophets.
prophets in the Old Testament. One of the big prophets. And we see the beginning of this, of being called, and, 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 and a little, little thing of how God can speak through something that reminds you of something. Um, and some of you have been in classes and things on prophecy about how to, <clears throat> how to see things, how, how to start paying attention to things. So here we're going to move into Jesus' life and some things that are going on for a minute. And we're going to do, I think, uh, 21 through 30. So he began to say to them, he's just, he's just finished the book of Isaiah. They've given it to him to read. And he's read the passage which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set, those, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Okay, let's just read that from Scripture. He closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now, this is kind of what the, you know, they don't always stand and stuff. So, but, so he sits down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Like, whatever he's about to say, I really want to you know, pay attention to this and see what he's going to do with this. Verse 21, and he says to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay. And all who were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips, and they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? We, what do they say? We know him. We have been around him since he was little. We know his parents. They don't, may not have heard the whole story, you know, about Jesus and wise men and stars and you know all these things going on. But but they've they've known him, and and he's reading from their the most famous prophet's book. Of the Old Testament, of, the, of course, it's not the Old Testament; it's just the the scriptures to them. The most famous one has said this. He has read this, and now he says this is being fulfilled right now in your presence. So, in that, there's this questioning already. Isn't this Joseph's son? Verse 23, he says to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. This sounds so much like the politics of America. Like somebody says something and immediately there is someone writing, someone on a television thing, countering that making fun of the person who said it. doesn't matter who, which side, who says it. There's just this atmosphere continually in this country. And he said, verse 24, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, 
There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, because God had prophesied that through Elijah, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, nobody in Israel, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, which is on the seacoast, which is Gentile territory, non-Jewish, to a woman who was a widow. To a Gentile woman. That's who God sends the premier prophet of the day to. No well-deserving Jewish person. And then he gives a second illustration. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the next famous prophet after Elijah. And none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian, another Gentile from Syria of all places, under the hand of the prophet of current big-name prophet of God, you know, he tells him to go down and wash <coughs> dip three times in the Jordan, or is it four times? He goes and does it, nothing, 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 but the last time he comes up and his skin is like baby skin. All the leprosy is gone. Now, these are fighting words. To Jewish people, to the people in his hometown synagogue. This is a big thing. He has says the God of the universe, and we are God's chosen people. Everybody here in this synagogue, we're chosen. We we remind each other of our heritage, of everything, going back to the things that God has said through Moses and comes forward and all and through all the through all the ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, you know, and King David and like just, just, just all of this. If anybody deserves the goodness of God, it's us. We've suffered. We're God's people. And Jesus says, that's true, but God can bless anybody he wants to bless. Verse 28, and all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. They didn't miss it. They knew exactly what he was saying. This was not a hidden message. And they got up and they drove him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of a hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. They're going to take care of the young whippersnapper. But passing through their midst... He went his way. He just turned around and went on. We are in need of this. We are in need of the Holy Spirit to come again in such a way that the whole world sees that God is alive and well and that his people hear his voice, obey him, 
and he acts. Not that we deserve it any more than anyone else, except that we are his children. And we have the Holy Spirit. And we can be anointed of the Holy Spirit if we ask him to come and do that in power and in the gifts that we see in the new, in, throughout anywhere in Scripture. But these are, to me, almost a, probably not an, the only ones. It's just these are the ones he's written down. And these are the safe places throughout the Scripture if we see him do something. If we see him raise the dead, then that's possible from any of you, anywhere, watching or here, any of you. There's really nothing that can get in, in the way of that if God wants to do that through you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So Paul is setting it in the context of how the Corinthian church should act because they've got the big head about their giftedness. There are so many gifted people in the church at Corinth that they move in a lot of power in a lot of different things. But they also can be very in the flesh and do things for the wrong reasons. And so Paul has been there with them and he sends them three letters. Now, we've only got two of them. We don't have the third one. It would be nice to have whatever in Corinthians 3 was written, but that, that letter's never been found. We just know it was written. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I, I become like a noisy sounding gong, something you hit, you make a sound, you know, but it's not the right pitch, it's not the right place, it's, or a clanging cymbal even, like hitting a cymbal, it's out of place, it's not, it's not, it's not the place for it. That's what it's like if I don't have a lot. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all, and then that's one gift, or if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, I can, I can just believe God, that God can do that. But, but I do not have love, I have nothing. If I, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, I have this anointing to, to sacrifice. And if I surrender my body to be burned, or, or you know, in my obeying God, I, um, I'm going to give up my life. But do not have love. It profits me nothing. Even if you, like, let them burn you as a torch or something in Rome. You know, if, if, if I don't have love, it's, it's uh, wasted. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. 
is not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there are are tongues, they will cease. I mean, speaking in a spiritual language. If there is knowledge, information that God's just dropped into your head, it will be done away with. We know in part... And we prophesy in part. We only get a little piece of something. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When it's completely, when we are in his presence, we will know as he, his information completely. We will know each other. We will know everything. We will know what he meant by something, what he means in that moment. It will all be complete. He says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. That's expected. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. I didn't act like that anymore. So for now, we see in a mirror dimly, and that part in Greek is like looking through smoked glass, like you're looking at the sun. You smoke it so you can see the sun. now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face everything's open everything's wide now i know in part and then i will i will know fully just as i also have been known fully but now faith and hope and love abide these three but the greatest of these is love love is the bottom line things going through my head but they're 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 not even though they're true that they're not the starting point they are the way it is in our country from one coast to the other coast from the north to the south to Hawaii and Alaska and territories were one of 183 or maybe more nations by now formed 
Spirit to come and anoint him. You and I as individuals need him to come and anoint him every day. Any moment that our eyes might be like Jeremiah and be open to the things that he's doing. That if he shows us something like the almond branch, that we say, what are you saying, Lord? Why are you showing me that? Faith, hope, love. May we encourage each other in each of our life situations and in the situations as Americans that we not get lost out in the weeds, as they say. Those are good songs, but yeah. We do just need to come and return. Father, may we, may we move in your will today. Why it is today. May we, as we go to sleep, may we dream the dreams that you want. Will you communicate with us? Will you come by your Holy Spirit and your different forms of giftedness? Pour out your Spirit to the point that we manifest your presence, that we sense your anointing, we see the effects of your anointing, we can say God is here. Whatever the need is in the moment that you put us at the place of of an appointment, may we in love and boldness and the authority of Jesus Step forward, say and do the things that you are telling us to say and do and not more. Not come up with things that sound wise or is some sort of, just something from our heads, something natural. We need you. We need something from the God of heaven, the God who walks among us, who is in us in our rising up, our lying down, our coming in, our going out. Thank you for this Lord's Day.